this is a, one of these churches that I feel like uh, if I've been away for a few uh, weeks or a few years, I can just come back and we can just pick right up where we where we uh, we left off. So again, uh, I'm I'm glad to be here. And uh, uh, Larry mentioned that I'm from North Carolina. It's been difficult for me. Uh, I, I haven't sought counseling, but I've accepted the fact that I'll never be a native Texan. Uh, I, I got here as fast as I could. I've tried to fit in, but some people still ask for my green card. So uh, that's, that's just one of the struggles that I have. But again, thanks again for the opportunity to be here. Before we do open the, the word, let's go before the uh, Lord of the word in prayer. Father, we uh, thank you again for an opportunity to gather in your name and to worship you. And we do pray that uh, your spirit would be in your midst. We ask that uh, he would be the teacher and that we ask also that as a result of our time of gathering together, that we would glorify your name, we would be encouraged, and also we would share the good news of Jesus with others. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. I'm probably going to be uh, uh, showing my age and maybe your age too. Uh, some of you probably remember Christian bookstores. Uh, in fact, one, it broke my heart when Family Christian Store in Plano closed. And I used to go to Lifeway. And I, 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 was, I have to admit, I was angry at Lifeway for a while for closing. But uh, I don't know about this area, but uh, in Mesquite, we've got a Mardell's. And so I've, I've kind of forgiven uh, Lifeway for closing, even though I still use some of their online resources. But used to, in olden days, or maybe there's still a Barnes & Noble, you could go in and uh, find just a myriad of uh, Bibles and Bible resources. In fact, I'm, I'm probably uh, going to be in trouble by asking this, but how many of you have a Ryrie Study Bible? Okay. Oh, oh good. Oh, man, we're, 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 in, we're family. We're family. So, so God has made it so convenient for us to know Him and His Word. It's especially we in America. Uh, it's, it's just incredible. Uh, uh, we've got uh, not only uh, print Bibles, but we've got online uh, Bibles. Most of you folks on your smartphone uh, have a Bible. And there's so many uh, excellent resources that we have. Also, there's... Uh, like if, if uh, uh, Pastor Bob is away or you miss a Sunday, you can, you can listen to his, his sermon online or you can listen to other people. Uh, I, I may get into trouble. I may have to ask forgiveness from the elders here. But there's a little church north of here. I think it's called, is it Stonebriar Community? You know, it's, you know, it's a, but uh, you, you can hear a good pastor there. You can, hear, you can hear Chuck Swindoll. One of my favorites is also a, a Dallas Seminary graduate, David Jeremiah. I like to listen to him, and uh, we, we preacher boys, we talk amongst ourselves. Uh, sometimes we'll look at his notes or look at uh, what he's done before we preach a sermon. Another uh, favorite uh, pastor of mine, maybe yours too, is Adrian Rogers. Isn't it mind-boggling that he has been in heaven for 16 years and is still on the radio? And going back a little further, how many of you remember J. Vernon McGee? J. Vernon McGee has been in heaven 33 years, and he's still proclaiming or, or preaching through the Bible. So again, we have been blessed in so many ways. In fact, some of you may be familiar with the National Religious Broadcasters uh, on their website, nrb.org. This was mind-boggling. Uh, they say there's over 4,000 Christian radio stations uh, in this country. Now, I think what 
what some of them get by with being Christian maybe by having a, a sermon on Sunday or something. But 67% of people like you and me, 67% of churchgoers, regularly listen to or watch uh, Christian broadcasting. 141 million, or 42% of Americans, uh, listen to Christian radio or watch Christian television uh, every month. So again, we are saturated with the gospel, but at the same time, there are neighbors and there's co-workers uh, that we rub elbows with that do not know the Lord. That's, that's mind-boggling. Now, every time I preach, uh, my favorite passage of the scriptures changes. So uh, today, I, I would like, uh, if you have your smart devices, or uh, uh, there's also a handout with the passage. If you have uh, uh, your print Bibles too, I invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. The context here is the Sermon on the Mount. And I mentioned some great preachers, but I'm a little bit biased. We're going to be hearing from one of the greatest preachers in the world, and I'm not talking about myself. It's Jesus Christ. And we're going to be looking at a portion of the Sermon on the Mount this morning. In fact, uh, I mentioned this at another church, and I know I'm going to get a better response from this church than I have other churches. Okay, the Sermon on the Mount is found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Now, don't lie to me, and don't lie to God. How many of you would be willing to, to read Matthew 5, 6, and 7 in one setting this week? We've got a few. Okay. May God bless you. I think, I think it'll be incredible just to look at that in one setting. You may want to read it several times. So it is a, 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 just an incredible sermon. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount, again, is the context of our, our portion of Scripture this morning. And some people believe the Sermon on the Mount was a compilation of uh, Jesus' various teachings. I think if you look at the passage in uh, uh, Matthew and Luke, I take the position that this was a sermon done at one time. Now, Jesus may have uh, used parts of it uh, during his ministry. In fact, it's mind-boggling that in our New Testament, we only have about 60 days of Jesus' three-year ministry recorded. Isn't it amazing that, again, if we had everything he did, like the scripture says, all the libraries couldn't hold everything he said and did if we had a, a complete record. I don't know about you, I'm looking forward to certain things in heaven. Uh, I'm, I want to I see the creation video, I want to see the crucifixion, and I want to see a panorama of Jesus' life. So that's going to be incredible for us to, to see in eternity. But as, as we look here on the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to look at a passage uh, that... Uh, I've got the title of our message is A Christian Perspective on Priorities. I hope it's going to encourage you and perhaps uh, challenge you with some of the priorities that we have. So we as, as Christians, we're living in a world that's really not our home. Heaven is our, our true home. And we do have things coming our ways that, that tend to bother us. I don't know about you, but uh, most of us have lost sleep at night. I'm, I, I guess I'm, maybe I'm, I'm showing uh, uh, my uh, lack of spirituality, but I've, I've lost sleep several nights. In fact, a lot of it was in seminary uh, uh, before a Hebrew test or something like that, but maybe you've lost sleep. But we all, whether we admit it or not, we all worry. But as we can see, that worry uh, can damage one's health. Uh, worry can disrupt our productivity. Uh, worry can negatively affect how we treat others. 
and worry can reduce our ability to trust God. So again, uh, anytime you worry, if you forget everything I've said this morning, one of the best things you can do is pray because prayer can take away uh, worry. So again, worry is not helpful. In fact, we're going to see that worry replaces trust. That worry, when we worry about material things, we demonstrate a lack of trust in God. And again, we of all people should trust the Lord uh, with the smallest things, the middle things, and also the large things in our life. So as humans, uh, we all often have priorities. And our priorities as believers should be to know God, to know His Word, and to make His, His Word known to others. And that's what we'll be looking at today. Look again uh, at Matthew chapter 6. Uh, let's pick it up at verse 25 uh, that was read earlier. And in some of your study Bibles, uh, there's a heading before this, this uh, first section called A Cure for Anxiety. And listen to the words of Jesus. He says, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now the life he's talking about here is the earthly life. And also he's, he's mentioning the word worry. Another word for worry is, is to be anxious about something, uh, to have anxiety, to be unduly concerned. So that's, that's uh, specifically what Jesus is talking about uh, in relation to worry. So when we worry, we basically, uh, we're, we're putting things above our trust in God. We're replacing trust with a human uh, characteristic uh, that many times sidetracks side us in, in many ways. So since God has, has knit you in your mother's womb, God created you, He is more than able and capable of sustaining you as you live here on earth. So the same Creator God who made you did not abandon you. He comes alongside of you and He will provide for you. In fact, let's continue in verse uh, uh, 26 of Matthew 6. Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? Now, this is specifically talking about wild birds. Uh, I think I mentioned to some of you uh, earlier that I was an associate pastor in uh, Tyler for a while, and I met a pastor uh, in uh, Jacksonville. That's, that's a town uh, uh, south of, of Tyler. I think there's a country singer. I can't think of her name right now, but there's a country singer from Jacksonville. But a man uh, in conversation with me mentioned the term yardbird. He said, we've got some yardbirds down here. And I thought, well, what in the world is a yard bird? Is it, is it a cardinal? Is it a robin? It's a wren? Well, I found out it's a chicken. So uh, uh, this is not talking about chickens. Uh, Jesus here is talking about wild birds, the birds of the air. And he said, they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Another uh, probably better word for us to understand, a barn is a storage facility. I don't know about you, I've seen uh, birdhouses, and most of the birdhouses I've seen have been made by humans, even though birds do build nests. 
But the birds do not have a storage bin. I'm, I'm not going to take a, a survey of how many of you do have a storage unit here. Uh, but again, birds aren't like us. They, they're not storing up. And yet, your Heavenly Father feeds them. The, the birds aren't worried about tomorrow. They know that they're going to be taken care of. And again, Jesus is getting our attention. He says, are you not worth much more than they? Now, most of the people in Bible times uh, grew their own food. Uh, and, and many of you, uh, in fact, how, how many of you grew up in a farm? Or, or okay, I, I want a few other hands raised. How many of you had a garden? Did any of you, okay, have a garden. Uh, when I was in high school, I thought that was punishment. Uh, my dad would make me till the garden uh, after high school. So I, uh, I loved uh, the, the fresh vegetables, but at the same time, I didn't enjoy all the rocks in, in the garden. So that was a challenge for me. But in the first century, uh, most of the people grew, uh, grew their own foods. Uh, you ladies, uh, to me, I, I'm, a, I'm amazed at what's in, in uh, 21st century grocery stores. In fact, they, they change every week. I wish they wouldn't. I know where something is, and, they, and they'll move it around and change it. But it's amazing what we find in grocery stores. But in the first century, most people, uh, they, they would work during the day, and then the big, uh, the big meal was their, their evening meal. And they used, uh, 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 they used a small garden there, or, or sometimes there was a market that they could, they could buy food from. But again, uh, instead of being concerned about it, uh, they knew that God would, would protect them and provide for them just like uh, the birds. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never seen, uh, with the exception of, of baby birds, birds staying in their nest with their beaks open. You know, they, the, the, the small baby birds do that. But birds are active. They're active. And many times in our own lives, God is going to provide for us, but at the same time, work is a part of the, the provision. He's providing, but work. And say so birds are not idle. Uh, the point that Jesus is making is that, not that we do, do not need to work, but again, when we do exhibit faith and go out, God is going to provide for us. And see, birds, again, they're, they're not worried. They're not concerned about that because they know that they're, they're, there are natural resources that God will provide for them. And in God's eyes, humans are much more valuable uh, to Him than birds. Look at verse 27. Jesus goes on, And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? Our time on earth is limited. It's numbered. In fact, uh, our days are numbered. Uh, Psalm 139.16 mentions that our days are numbered. So we can exercise, we can live right, but unless Jesus comes back, we're all going to die. So our days are numbered, and we cannot add to a single uh, day of our life. Some people say that they, they've, they've extended their life. Well, that's that may be a human concept, but our days are numbered. God has given us a certain amount of days. Now, after uh, Jesus has given the illustration of the birds of the eye, uh, next in uh, Matthew 6, 28 and 29, he mentions the lilies of the field. Look at uh, verse 28 and 29. Jesus goes on, And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. Now, the, the, the picture on the slide is of li lilies, but I think the, the actual word is spring flowers. 
now Larry, another advantage you Texans have, uh, I, I'd never seen an Indian paintbrush. In fact, uh, if someone would have asked me in North Carolina what an Indian paintbrush was, I would say, well, what do they use? I mean, what color are they? I mean, what, what kind of paint do they use? But you all have, uh, have blue bonnets, you've got Indian paintbrushes, uh, you've got daisies. Uh, it's just amazing. In fact, when I was in Tyler, I wanted to get my picture made with some daisies on I-20. And then someone wisely told me, you know, there's snakes in there, don't you? So I, I, didn't, I didn't stay too long in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the daisy patch. But there's just beautiful wildflowers here. But again, Jesus is saying, why are we worried about clothing? We, we shouldn't be worried about food. We shouldn't be worried about clothing. The lilies do not grow, they do not toil, and they do not spin. And yet Solomon, the third king of Israel, there was uh, Saul and David. Solomon was David's son. He was not only super smart, but he was super rich. People all around the Middle East would come just to, to witness the, the magnificence of Solomon. But again, Jesus says, not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of the flowers that uh, God clothes very naturally. In addition to that, in addition to uh, birds and flowers, Jesus continues in verse 30 of Matthew 6. He says, But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and is thrown into the furnace, will He not much more clothe you? And this next phrase kind of hits me. It says, you of little faith. Uh, that's, that's, that's kind of pointing right, right to my temple. Now grass, we know uh, there, there's amazing, uh, there's many times of, of grass. Uh, I don't know whether any of you have been to the, to the nursery before, or maybe you golfers are more experts on grass. I thought grass was grass, but there's, there's various types of, of grass. This is talking about a, 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 just common grass that we see in the field. I think you, you all have some uh, extra property back here. You've just got some, some, some regular normal grass. But see, grass was used, especially in the first century, as fuel for ovens. As I mentioned, most, most of the people uh, would come back at the end of the day and have their big meal, and they would have these uh, uh, either, either brick or, or, or uh, uh, ceramic uh, ovens that they would, uh, they would cook bread primarily in. And grass was the main fuel. So, so grass wasn't around very long. But Jesus is saying, even though it's alive today and thrown in the furnace, how much more, even though the grass is so beautiful, how much more will He uh, provide for you if you do not ha have faith? Jesus has given us object lessons all around us in nature. And He's bringing it home to us, to the, to the zenith, to the crown of His uh, creation. So the hearers of Jesus' message then and now have faith, but Jesus is wanting us to increase our faith. He's wanting our faith to grow, to be expanded. And so the basic cause of worry and anxiety is lack of faith in God. And again, I'm very convicted by this. Sometimes I'm worried about things when I need to be trusting God and replacing my worry with faith in God. So Jesus wants His followers to not only believe in Him, for forgiveness of sins and eternal life, but also to obey His Word and to live the abundant life here on earth. So if God cares for the little things, surely He will care for the most important things. Look at uh, verse 31 of Matthew 6. 
Jesus goes on, Do not worry then, saying, What we will eat, or what we will drink, or what will we wear for clothing. Again, God does not promise luxuries, but the necessities of life. I'm not going to take a survey on, on vehicles, but some of you may drive a Mercedes. Some of you may have a Lexus. Uh, I drive a Mercury. Uh, it, it gets me from point A to point B. So again, God does not promise us luxuries, even though some of us are blessed with luxuries, but with the basics of life. And that's what he's doing here. Uh, people are more valuable to God than birds and flowers and grass. And he's going to provide for our needs. Continue on with verse uh, 32 of Matthew 6. For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Now, at first you may, you may be taken aback about this. I think most of us here are Gentiles. Uh, I'm a Gentile. There may be some uh, Jews, or, or, or uh, at one time this church had a relationship with some uh, Messianic Jews. Uh, what this is basically uh, referring to is Jesus', Jesus audience for the Sermon on the Mount was Jews. And Gentiles were normally people that did not have a relationship with God in this, in this time. So if I mentioned many Bible verses, or excuse me, many Bible versions earlier. Another word that a Bible version may use in contrast to this, and that's, that's what Jesus is doing. He's, he's making a contrast, maybe calling Gentiles pagans, heathen, or unbelievers. So, so Jesus, again, is contrasting those that do have a relationship with God with those that do not. He says, for the Gentiles eagerly seek all these material things because so many of them believe this is all there is to life. They believe, many of them believe after this life, uh, there's no eternal existence, there's, there's no heaven. But Jesus, again, is making a contrast and showing the difference. Now, based on all this, uh, and looking at the, at the scriptures and trusting in God, a natural thought does come to mind. You know, what about prayer? What about prayer? Well, should we pray? Should we ask God to meet our needs? Absolutely. We have a relationship. He's a loving Heavenly Father. And prayer does not inform God of our needs. It merely expresses our trust in Him to meet our needs. And God promises to do this. Now, the, the next slide uh, is a promise from God. And there's so many promises in the Bible. This is one of my favorite. Uh, Matthew 6, 33. If we look at the text, what Jesus says. He says, But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things, all these material things that He's been talking about that we need uh, on a daily basis. All these things will be added to you. This is a great uh, verse of Scripture uh, to, be, to be memorized or to, to just, just understand that, again, God loves us, God created us, and God has promised to provide for us. So Jesus' remedy for anxiety about the things of the world is to place our trust in Him and believe that He will indeed meet our needs. And the Lord's disciples should be concerned about the things of God. If God is loving us, uh, we love Him back by obeying and keeping His commandments. Another promise is seeking God's kingdom and His righteousness should be a priority for followers of Christ. This refers to both knowing and obeying God's Word in the Bible 
And as we know His Word, we become more concerned about His will instead of focusing on ourselves. So we should replace our worry and anxiety over whether we're going to have enough to survive by admitting and putting our trust and faith in God to meet our needs. Uh, look at verse uh, 34 of, of Matthew 6. As Jesus uh, wraps up, he says, So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now again, sadly, the American news media doesn't believe that. They, 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 they want us to worry not only what happened yesterday, what's happening now, and what's going to happen in the future. But I don't know about you, but I've got enough problems right now for today than to worry about tomorrow. So this saying, in fact, some of you, if you want to check me out in, the, in your Ryrie Study Bible, uh, Dr. Ryrie said, so do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has a trouble of its own. Dr. Rari says this is a proverb. Apparently this a proverb uh, that this, this Jewish audience was familiar with. And see, trouble involves uh, challenges, and, uh, but we know that Jesus has told us that we are in the world, but he has overcome the world. So again, our, our faith, our hope uh, of providing for us now and forever will be through Jesus. Now what about planning? What about planning? Well, planning for tomorrow is time well spent. But notice the contrast. Jesus is saying, but worrying about tomorrow is time wasted. So it's okay to plan. It's, it's good. Uh, if you look in the Proverbs, the ant is planning ahead for the future. But if, again, if we're worrying about tomorrow, that again is time wasted. So don't let worries about tomorrow affect your relationship with God today. In fact, that's quite senseless. Hopefully, uh, as you came in, you received a handout. And if you don't have a handout, maybe you can look with someone uh, uh, nearby. Let's look at some of the applications. If you, uh, probably the first third of the first page uh, is the scripture. But application, these are truths relevant to our lives today. Uh, in seminary, we had uh, an assignment in, Mac, in Acts 1-8 that we had to uh, have observations. And so uh, the first day, I think we had 10, and we thought, boy, I, I nailed this down. Well, we come back, and, and the professor wants 20 more. So we did 20, and I said, I can't cover any more. Then he wanted 10 more. I've, I've uh, just scratched the surface with this passage with these observations, so hopefully you can find more. So let's look at the first ones. Uh, many things in life can be worrisome. Yet Jesus reminds his followers that God is greater than all human circumstances. And the second one, when we worry about material things, we demonstrate lack of trust in God, who promises that he will care for all these things. The third one, since God formed you in your mother's womb, according to Psalm 139.13, and knows how many days you will live, according to Psalm 139.16, he is more than adequate to sustain your earthly existence. And in God's eyes, human beings are much more valuable than other creatures. Jesus wants to make sure you understand that. You, you see the repetition? If, if God says something one time, it's important. But if he's repeating something, uh, I don't know about you, I'm, I'm a slow learner. So I'm, I'm, I'm starting to catch on that we humans are more important than the other cre creatures. God does not promise luxuries, but the necessities of life. So again, if you have a Ford or a Chevrolet or a Toyota, uh, it can get you there just as good as a Lexus or something else. The hearers of Jesus' message then and now should demonstrate faith. 
Jesus' purpose in this passage is to provide truths to increase faith. And my prayer for you is that this passage will increase and encourage your faith in your Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Christians who worry have deficient faith. And again, I don't know about you, but sometimes my faith is deficient because I do worry. So the basic cause of worry and anxiety is little, little faith in God. And the final one on the first page, Jesus' remedy for anxiety is to make the kingdom of God and his righteousness the center of our priorities. Let's have some paper, paper noise as we flip over to the second part. The first one, when our priority is God, he will take care of the things we need. That's, the, that's what trust is all about. Jesus wants his followers to not only believe in him for the forgiveness of sins and eternal life, but to trust him and to obey his teachings. Should we ask God to meet our needs, especially in prayer? Absolutely. Prayer does not inform God of our needs. It expresses trust in his abilities to meet our needs. And then the next one, the Lord's followers should be concerned about the things of God. Seeking God's kingdom and his righteousness should be a priority for the followers of Christ. This refers to us both knowing and obeying God's word in the Bible. And as we know his word, we become more concerned about the things of God instead of focusing on ourselves. Uh, I haven't heard the phrase uh, recently, but I think in the 20th century as a young Christian, I heard the phrase uh, belly button Christians. You know, we're kind of focused on ourselves rather than focused on God. So we, we don't want to be belly button Christians in the 21st century. And then toward the middle of the page, unless God is the major pursuit of our lives, all other pursuits are dead in streets. And worry is inconsistent with trust in God. When we worry, we doubt God's sovereignty and goodness. Worry and anxiety distract us from seeking God's kingdom and righteousness. And then the final two. Jesus does not prohibit hard work and planning for the future, but he did prohibit worrying about tomorrow. Planning for tomorrow is time well spent, but worrying about tomorrow is time wasted. And if you join with me uh, in the probably two-thirds down, there's a statement in italics. Let's all read this together. Let us all seek to replace worry, anxiety, stress, and fear with trust in God. And you're probably encouraged to memorize Scripture. Help me with these. Uh, uh, let's, let's read together these passages of Scripture to memorize. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And the next one. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And in the first John. This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. Many of you may be familiar uh, with uh, an old hymn. Uh, in fact, I want to encourage you, if you've uh, got a YouTube, uh, uh, if you're on your computer, check on YouTube or another place. But write down, if you're taking notes on your handout, the title of this hymn is God Will Take Care of You. 
God will take care of you. And listen to the chorus of this hymn, God will take care of you. God will take care of you through every day or all the way. He will take care of you. God will take care of you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your, your word today. We believe you. We love you. We know that you love us and that you desire to provide for us. I pray that uh, you will use the words from this text today to encourage each person here. And I pray that we would also share this wonderful news with perhaps some that are fearful during these uncertain and perilous times that we're living in and allow them to be, to be just one or two steps closer to trusting Jesus as their Savior. And we ask this in His precious name. Amen.